Welcome back to the Grace Life Fellowship Podcast. Today, we'll continue to share with you our Christmas series, The Gift of Christmas. This past Sunday, we were lucky enough to hear from our youth minister, Jay Patel, as he shared his message, Jesus, Our Joy. We hope you enjoy it. Here's Jay. You know, we're, we're in the season of, of Advent, and we're talking about the love of God, yes, and um, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I think w- before we started this series, I, I pulled Emily Sule aside, um, and I was like, hey, uh, can you tell me what Advent is? <laughs> um, I didn't, so I didn't grow up in church, okay, so I didn't grow up in church, this wasn't like a normal setting for me, um, I grew up in a culturally like Hindu household. And, you know, I was, that's just kind of who I was and what was, my family is and all these things. And me and God, and I didn't really think about God. And candidly, I don't know if I really cared as much. Um, I was just kind of living the life that I wanted to live. And it was, it was cool for what it was for a little while, I guess. But I had a lot of friends who would go to church and a lot of friends who were Christian and this and that. And Advent was like something that came around. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. So I'm not going to engage in that discussion. Um, but me and Emily started talking about Advent, and, um, you know, Advent is the arrival or the, expect- or the expecting or the arrival of some notable person or thing. And I know you're thinking Santa Claus, but that's not, it's not Santa Claus. Um, it's Jesus. And so the arrival and expectation of Jesus. And so, you know, Tim, a couple weeks ago, talked about hope. And actually, while he was here talking about hope, I was in San Antonio um, at, the, at the Arsenal, which is a, a church that's closely uh, connected and related to Grace Life Fellowship. Um, I was over there visiting, but I was also teaching on hope at the, at the same time. And so it was really cool to be able to connect and go back and, and see people and, you know, you know, catch them up to speed on what's going on in my life and this and that. And, man, to teach on hope. And that's something that we need in this world. That's something that we need as people. We need hope. And then last week, Frank talked about peace. And that's something we need, too. I mean, as much as we wrestle with anxiety and doubt and worry and this and that and bills and finances and kids and whatever that may be, we need peace in our lives. And today I'm going to be talking about joy. And so joy, like what is joy? I've really been thinking about it all week. Like what is joy? Is joy merely a feeling? I think it can be. I think it can be a feeling. But I think it's more than a feeling. I think it's greater than a feeling. I think if we reduce joy down to a feeling, I think we're doing it a disservice. But I think joy is greater. Joy, I think, is a state. I think joy is a person, actually. And by the way, if I don't get any amens or hallelujahs, I don't know how long I'm going to be staying around here. (laughs) Thank you, Juan. I'm expecting three from you. Yeah, we're talking about joy. Is it more than a feeling? It's a person. And this person has arrived. And, and I know during Christmas time, we're talking about, you know, we're hitting the Christmas messages and the arrival and birth of Jesus. And don't worry, I'm going to give you Luke 2 <laughs> to this morning. Um, but we're talking about this arrival of, of Jesus in the manger, and that's great. And, and, then, and then one day we're going to be hearing about, we're, we're talking about, you know, Jesus one day is going to be coming back. 
Um, and that's going to be glorious, and that's, I can't wait for that, for real. That's going to be amazing. But what do we do in the here and now? And that's often where, that's where we are. I mean, we, we can't escape where we are in the here and now. So what does joy have to do with, with us today? And sometimes we even like a synonym, sometimes as people what we use is, is happiness. Um, and I would all agree that we want to be happy, right? Like we all want to be happy. And some of y'all are a lot more happy than others, and I love that. <laughs> I love that. I was watching this movie, um, The Pursuit of Happiness. You probably have heard of it. Um, probably seen it. Will Smith is the, is the star in that movie. I was watching it. It's probably one of my favorite movies. I think growing up, I've seen it like five or six times. Uh, that's because I like Will Smith a lot, to be honest. But I was watching this movie, and the, and the premise of, of the movie of Pursuit of Happiness is there's this man. He's in California. I think it's in the 80s. Um, he's in California, and he's, man, they, he's him and his wife and his kid, and they practically have no money. <laughs> they don't got a penny to their name. And this man, though, he's dedicated. He is committed. He works hard. He's actually really brilliant. And it's based on a true story, by the way. He's brilliant. And he works hard, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have any money. He doesn't have, and he's really looking for an opportunity to do something with his life. And his wife leaves him, and he's stuck with his kid. And not just stuck in a negative sense, but he's, he's taking care of his kid. He's, he's, he's to make, he wants to make a way for, his, for him and his, and his kid. And they're trying to survive. And... He gets this internship with a brokerage firm, and he's working as a bro- in, in his brokerage firm, but at the same exact time, he has no home. So this man who shows up every day, suit and tie, works hard, is committed to taking care of his kid, but he's homeless. I mean, if, you, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't seen the movie, I might be doing a bad job explaining it, but just watch the movie. Um, but he's homeless, and he's jumping, like in the middle of the movie, towards the end of the movie, he's jumping from homeless shelter to homeless shelter every day every single day while working at this brokerage firm. And he, I mean, he's working in finances. And, and from what I've seen in the movie, it's like, it's crazy. It's just, it's, it looks like New York. It looks like Wall Street. It's something like that. That's kind of what, it, what I think about. And this man, is, he's, he's on this pursuit of success and he's on this pursuit of happiness. And it's, it's really consumed about this, maybe this ideal of success that has to do with wealth and prosperity and these kinds of things. And I, I could tell you, none of that is wrong. <laughs> none of that is nothing bad about that. That's good. But when it only becomes about those things, when it only becomes about health and then the wealth and the prosperity and all those kinds of things, I think we're still not fulfilled. There's something still missing in our lives. And that's, I remember watching growing up and I loved that movie. And then I started to know Jesus a little bit more, and I started to watch it again, and my perception of that movie started to change a little bit. Like, hey, it's a good movie, but I don't know if it's telling people the real key to, to happiness. I don't know if it's, or joy, really. I don't know if it's really depicting this true idea of joy. And this is why I think there's the only way we can really have joy in this world, regardless of where you're from or where your background is or this or that part of the world you're, we're coming from, but the only way to really have joy in this world is to know Jesus. That's the only way to really have joy in this world. There is no other way. It's only Jesus. And when you learn, when we learn who Jesus is and we learn why he, why he came and what he was teaching and this and that, but we learn the, message as he, the messages that he gave the people of his day, the Jewish people of his day, but his disciples as well, was a message that was outside of this world. 
It was literally a message that was outside of this world. I mean, nobody heard about this before ever. It was so, it was so ludicrous, it was so crazy that it eventually got him killed. He was talking, it seemed like so much nonsense to the people of his day that they didn't want to hear it. But to the people who did want to hear it, it gave him joy, it gave him peace, it gave him hope, it gave him security. So this message is out of this world. And I would even venture off to say that if the good news, the gospel, the good news, if it doesn't come across as scandalous, then I wonder if we're hearing the good news. Because the love of God is scandalous. The grace of God is scandalous. It doesn't really make any sense to us, to earthly minds. But when we begin to see, because now, if you're a believer, you have the mind of Christ, you begin to see what God was seeing, you begin to see what Jesus was seeing when he's walking on this planet. You begin to see that the cross was worth it. You begin to see that all the pain, all the endurance, it was worth it. And what we see even in the New Testament and what we see in the letters of Paul is that Paul understood this Jesus. He really understood this Jesus well. And he understood joy well. But guess what? He also understood suffering well. Paul really suffered. Beaten, shipwrecked, whipped, tortured, publicly humil humiliated. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, although sorrowful, yet rejoicing. And I would argue that probably a lot of us in this room going through things, things that don't make sense. Maybe you're asking, asking God and maybe he's not necessarily giving you the answer that you think you want right now. And that's okay. I'm gonna tell you that much. It's okay. But you're going through things, hardship, struggle, maybe struggle with your kids, marriage, finances, health, got a diagnosis that you weren't expecting. So many things in this world that we don't, that are out of our control. And so you understand the suffering. You understand that something's not right. Something isn't right. But, but God, right? But God, we have joy. We have joy because God is good. We have joy because God loves us. And we have joy because 2,000 years ago, God fulfilled his promise to Adam and Eve from Genesis 3, and he brought forth his son. So let's pick up Luke 2, verses 1 through 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to, Judah, or to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. 
And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on, the er- and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you for the good news of your son, God, that it is really good. That is really good. And I pray that this morning as you speak through me that your words um, would, would register and land in the places they need to land, in the minds and hearts of people. And Lord God, I pray that truth would be spoken. And God, but I pray that your love would be communicated. And I pray that we would grasp on to this ridiculous amazing, life-changing, transforming love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we talk about the good news, and there's lots. I think we need good news. I mean, I think we have enough bad news in the world, but I think we need good news. And I think one of the most amazing things that we can discover or even ponder which is a part of the good news, is that God has revealed himself to us. You know, I've had the privilege of um, like going to different places in the world. I've been to Asia a few times. I've been to the Middle East a few times. Um, and I've had, the, like I said, it's been a privilege. And, and, I, and I talk to people. I was typically doing work like ministry with university students and college students. And um, I was just talking to people. I would get to know them. We'd build a relationship. We'd talk, you know. And... There's so many different views and ideas of who God is around the world. So many. There's so many different religions. There's so many different philosophies, belief systems, all of that stuff. And sometimes people, hey, I don't believe in God. I don't, I don't, I don't know if God exists. You know, and I was talking to all these people, and I remember growing up and not really having a clear view of who God is, but knowing that there could be a God, and it seems like there is a God, I just don't know who he is, and that's the question, right? And I think what the amazing thing is about Jesus is that he shows and reveals God's true heart, true character. He shows us the beauty, the innocence, and the power of his love. I mean, you think about God, and you would think about the almighty and the powerful And you would think he would come in a way that's thunderous and lightning and all these kinds of things. But in fact, he did the exact opposite of that. He came in most humble fashion. He came a baby, virgin birth, teenage mother. He came to a town that was not popular. He came in such a way that most people probably didn't even recognize him. But I think that's an insight to God's character. 
that God really is humble and he has humility. But I think even wrapped up in that is his love and his power. I mean, he's, he has power. Yes, we know this because he created the world and the universe. But I think it's his power under control. He didn't have to show off to us in a way that blows our mind. Actually, he might have done that in just coming as a baby. But it takes some time for us to register that, like, wow, that God would come in the most humble fashion. And that Jesus, according to Colossians 1.15, is the image of the invisible God. And the Hebrews 1.3 says that he is the exact imprint of God's nature. The exact imprint of God's nature. If we want to know who God is, we look at the person of Jesus. And as we read about Jesus and we look at all the miracles he did and what he taught his disciples and what he said ultimately was, the world will know who I am and that you follow me, that you are my disciples in the way that you love one another. Not in how often you win an argument. but in the way that you love one another, in kindness and humility and respect and dignity that you give to other people, but also that you receive from God. I think what Jesus did and the joy that we have is that Jesus restored our dignity as people. He gave us worth. He showed us our worth. He showed us what it means to have respect for yourself, but also respect for other people, to care about one another, to go out of your way to serve one another. Think about what that does. Have you ever done something that was just so like a random act of kindness? You probably do it all the time. You probably do it all the time. But that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. As we realize the kindness of God and that his kindness is the thing, the motivator that even leads us to repent. Not guilt, not shame, not condemnation, but his kindness towards us, that he really wants to be with us, that he really wants to know us, that he really does care about us, that he really does know what is going on in every single situation of our lives. He really knows what we're up against, what we're facing, the mountains, the hills. He knows the valley that we're in. He knows it all. Jesus came to be well acquainted with humanity, well acquainted with humanity. Hebrews talks about that he was tempted in every way, but without sin. He was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted today. Think about how we're tempted today. Man, it happens all the time, right? It's probably being happening right now. Fear, worry, anxiety, self-consciousness. What do people think about me? Am I good enough? Am I okay? Am I right? What about this? What about that? What about my bills I need to get paid? You know, all these things that trickle, that pound at our mind constantly, but that Jesus is the answer to these things. That he even faced these things, and yet he was the most joyful person to ever walk on this planet. Jesus Christ himself was the most joyful person to ever walk on this planet. I remember this was senior year of high school, 2013, Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Um, I remember, so I told you, I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know much about God. I didn't 
truthfully, I'm going to be candid, I don't really care about Christianity. Actually, I'm going to be more candid. Sometimes I would look in churches and I would see people who didn't look like me, and I wouldn't want to go in there because I felt like I'd, maybe I didn't belong there. Maybe I wouldn't be accepted there. And so, I mean, I know that's a lie. I know that's not true. But it affects people. It affected me. And so it kept me out. Didn't even, if anything, I remember, <laughs> if anything that I really did love in life, it was basketball. And so I had some coaches who were great coaches, great men, and I still, I'm connected with them today, but they love the Lord. They love Jesus. And they would go to church in the town that I grew up in, and they would invite me to go play basketball because they had a gym at the church. And if I loved basketball, but I'd always say no because I never wanted to go there. You see, I really didn't understand the love of God is really what was going on. But I remember as I was exiting high school and I was stepping into this new season, this new chapter of going into college in San Antonio, UTSA, and I was excited because I was, one, excited to get, to get out of that little town that I was in and go to a bigger city and kind of really find myself. You know, I had so many questions about life. I had so many things going on in my mind. I didn't really have answers. And I remember I had this friend. His name is Zach. My buddy Zach, man, we connected over sports, over, you know, uh, music and fashion and all these kinds of things. And so me and Zach was a senior when I was in eighth grade, and he played basketball. He was a point guard at our high school. And I remember looking up to him a lot because I was like, man, you're the point guard. You lead the team. You know, you're getting all this attention in varsity senior year. You know, it's a lot of fun, right? Especially as an eighth grader. You're looking up to that. You're like, man, I can't wait to do that, right? And so me and Zach connected over basketball, and then... As I was exiting out of high school, and I actually went through the same exact thing, I played basketball and all these things, but as I was exiting out of high school, he was in town for a short period of time trying to figure things out in his life, and he had just become a Christian. He had just become a Christian a couple years prior to that moment, and I remember sitting with him, and I had this connection with him, I had this relationship with him, and even though I wouldn't go into a church, I had this connection with Zach, who was a Christian. Now, me and Zach hung out, and he would invite me to youth group, and I would always politely decline, (laughs) But we would hang out nonetheless, and we would sit there. And I remember sitting there one, I remember like it was yesterday. I remember we're sitting in the park in his car. We're eating some food or something. And I remember what the weather was like. It wasn't even sunny. It was kind of, it was rainy. It just rained a little bit early. It was cloudy. And this thought just occurred to me, and I got to believe that it was from God. I mean, looking back on it. And I asked Zach, knowing that I never talked to him about God, I didn't want to talk to him about God. I asked Zach, Zach, who do you think God is? And it's like Zach was ready for that moment. (laughs) I mean, he had the Bible verses and everything pulled out. I was like, is this what y'all do? Y'all just get ready all the time like this? And this man went straight to Genesis. He said, hey, Jake, the Bible says, and Genesis says, that God created the whole world. That he created everything. And he created man. And he created people in his image so that we would know him. And that we would have a loving relationship with him. And there was this thing called sin and separated us. And then, but ultimately, God proved his love by dying for us. And so he went into all that. But what really got me hung up was that God was real. That's what hung me up. You know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't, 
yeah, the cross and sin. I'm like, I didn't really understand all that, but because probably I was in the middle of sin, you know? But I, I was hung up on God is real. And I remember the first time I ever felt like I had a revelation from God was when I looked, he was talking to me and I was looking outside of the window of the car and I started to see it for myself for the first time ever. Wow, God made that tree over there. God made that squirrel. God made that, you know, I was just like, God made those skies. I was infatuated with that God was real. And then, you know, as I'm growing and I'm maturing, I'm learning more about God. And we see that in, we see that God has revealed himself in his character, not even just his ability to create, but his character to love us relentlessly and pursue us relentlessly. Not that he just created, I mean, that's beautiful and that's amazing, but even the Bible says that all that stuff's gonna be taken away. All that stuff's gonna be taken away. The stars, the moon, all this of the, the galaxies that we see, all that stuff's gonna be taken away. There's gonna be a new one of those. But people is what he really cared about. He really cared about people, so much so that he would enter into our situation. He would leave his throne room, enter into our situation, and that he would prove that God really is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And this is all part of the good news, and one of the best parts about the good news and when we look at the cross, right, we see that all Jesus has done in his life and the miracles and the teachings and the, all these kinds of things and, and loving people when they didn't deserve his love and the grace that he gave people that didn't, they didn't deserve it. And I'm thinking about the woman who's caught in adultery. And the next question is, where was the man? <laughs> but the grace and the love and the mercy and the tenderness and the care that he gives. And I look at the cross, and Hebrew says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Think about that. Think about that. Back in the day, the most humiliating, one of the most humiliating ways to die, naked, in the middle of public, actually on a hill, so that when people passing by the town would see you. They would put thieves, robbers, anybody who did any sort of act like that. And then they hanged this guy named Jesus up there who never did any of that. But in the middle of trial, spoke what he needed to speak when the father told him what he needed to speak. But then after that, he was silent because he knew what he was there to do. And he knew his mission. And his mission was to love people. And if that was by dying on the cross for them, that I was going to do. But he, it says for the joy that was set before him. Can you imagine that? Think about all the stuff that you're going through right now all the things that we're going through. What if we had a perspective shift and looked at it as an avenue of joy with God? If we shifted our perspective and we're able to say, God, I'm, you can be honest too, right? That's the most beautiful thing about the Father is that he knows your heart. You don't need to lie and pretend around him. You don't need to walk on eggshells around him. He knows. You can talk to him. Let him know. He knows you. But at the same exact time, we shift our perspective and say, you know what, God, I don't know how, to, I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't know what's going on. I don't know about any of this, God. I don't really have answers. But I'm choosing joy. I'm choosing joy. 
Not because my circumstances are perfect, not because everything in my life is going the way I want it to, but because God is good to me. Because God loves me so much that I don't even understand in this moment of pain, but I'm going to trust it by faith that God loves me. And in God, I will place my faith. And from that, I'm going to experience joy. Joy. The joy set before him. And I really believe the more I learn about Jesus and the more I learn about his people and the more I learn about the church and what the church is supposed to be here to do, that Jesus's joy was being in the midst and indwelling his people. Jesus's joy is us. Being in full union, full communion with us no matter what we go through, no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance we're facing, Jesus said, you know what? I'm willing to go through it with you. As a matter of fact, my love is greater than all of this. As a matter of fact, my joy is better than all of this. You can choose joy. And we can be honest about what we're going through, but we can have joy in the middle of pain. As Paul would often say in his epistles, rejoice. Rejoice always. Again, I will tell you, rejoice, Philippians 4. And he was writing that. He was in prison. He was going through all these things, but he was telling the church of Philippi to rejoice. Have gladness among yourself. And then in Galatians, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. That we don't have to go out searching for joy, but that as a matter of fact, because of Jesus and his redemptive work, and that, but his indwelling in our lives, the spirit stirs us up. And from the spirit, we don't produce joy, but we bear the fruit of joy. We don't crank out joy. We simply bear joy. Joy is always available to us. It's always available to us, the fruit that we bear. And the matter of fact, what's beautiful about this is that we're not working for God to do this. God's not far off, distant, can't hear our prayers, none of that. He is, more, he is closer to you than your breath right now. That's how, God, that's how close God is to us. And because of the new covenant, because of the good news, that God will never leave us nor forsake us because of the good news of what Jesus has done, because Jesus has sealed us in the spirit, because Jesus is doing a work in his church, regardless of what we may be going through, regardless of our attitude, regardless of our actions, regardless of our behavior, but that Jesus will remain faithful to us. I mean, when we just ponder on the good news, we have great joy. The good news is right there. It's always in the midst of us. And it's Jesus. And as a matter of fact, this joy, what we bear, the amazing thing is, is yeah, we get to experience it. But guess what? Think about a tree. Think about a tree that produces fruit, right? Think about the roots that are deeply implanted in the soil. 
and it produces fruit. Think about an apple tree, and it produces apples. The apples aren't necessarily for the tree, right? The apples are meant to be picked. The fruit is meant to be picked by other people, meant to be savored by other people, meant to be devoured by other people, meant to be enjoyed by other people. So guess what? As believers, as people who follow Jesus, as the Spirit stirs within us and we produce the fruit of the Spirit, or we bear the fruit of the Spirit, it's for us, but it's for you. And it's for everybody else who walks by, everybody else who has an encounter with us at the grocery store, at Walgreens, at the schools, at your offices, in your homes, that the fruit of the Spirit is meant to be picked by other people. And that's the most beautiful thing about God is that, yes, it's us, but it's also for them. But yeah, us, them, us, them, God, us, them. It's this trifecta. It's this cycle. As the Spirit is dwelling in us, and we're walking in accordance, and we're producing the fruit of the Spirit, everywhere we go, we get this aroma of Christ. Everywhere we go, we get this aroma of Jesus. And, and, the most, and what's incredible is that we've realized how desperate the world is for joy. The world is looking for it. The world is looking for light in the middle of darkness. And the church is the answer. As Jesus indwells in, in us, and the church brings out the manifold wisdom of God, as Ephesians says, that we carry God in us, and God is moving in the midst of us. And so everywhere we go, Jesus has multiplied himself in us so that the world may experience what they are longing for, craving for deep in their minds and in their souls. They're craving for God. They don't know it yet. They don't know what's going on, but something about you, something about you as you have hope and as if you have joy in situations where you're really not supposed to have joy or hope because this is what the world says. If you're going through something, you gotta be miserable. But when you have joy, when you have hope, when you have peace, and eventually next week we're talking about love, when you have love in ways that you're not really supposed to have it, that gets people's attention. Because that's what people are looking for. They're looking for God. <laughs> and God is looking for them, and he's using us to bring the truth of the love of God to people. I remember a few years ago, I was in Asia, I was in East Asia, and I was, I was on a mission trip, and I was there for six weeks, and I was on the university campus, and I was taking college classes, and I was learning about the culture, I was learning about the history, I was learning about this and that, but the whole point was just for us to connect with university students in a country that is not, we're not allowed to share the gospel, in a country, in a place that you're not supposed to talk about God openly, in a place we're not supposed to talk about Jesus openly. But here we are, and we're meeting with these university students, and I'll never forget the moment that I met this student. We were, we were playing ping pong, 
We're going back and forth, and he was whooping me. I'm telling you, he was killing me. And he was really good, and we just got started to talk. And I asked him if he had a faith. I was like, hey, man, you, you, know, you believe in God? I don't know how he even brought it up. It could have been really awkward. I, don't know. I was like, hey, do you believe in God? Do you have a faith? He was like, oh, no, 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 I, I believe in science. And I said, oh, cool, me too. I believe in science. I, I think science is real. <laughs> and gravity's real, you know? But that's just what they're trained to think, you know? So it's like, you can't, okay, sure. I like. So I, I went right into that playing field, right? It's like, yeah, I really like physics. I really like the idea of gravity, and I think it's really cool. And although you can't see gravity, it's real, and we could test it. And although you can't really see, like, light, is it a wave, is it particles, you don't know, but it's real. And I started to explain the gospel to him in a way that, because we were sitting in this room, like the ginormous room, full of ping pong tables, like full, and it was only me and him playing. And so it was like echoing, it was crazy loud. And, I, and there was windows on the wall, okay? And the light was shining through. And I, I told him, I was like, hey, imagine if there were no windows here and imagine how dark it would be in here. And imagine if you and I wanted to go to the other ping pong table across the room. And I said, we would bump into ping pong tables all the time. We would be hitting our knee and flipping things up. You know, we'd be getting frustrated and all these things. But imagine if we had light and you could see properly. Imagine that. I was like, you know, the Bible says the exact same thing about God. That in this world we have darkness, but that he has revealed himself as light to us. And this light brings us great joy. And this light brings us great security. And this light brings us great peace. And this light brings us great truth. And we're sitting there and he was soaking it all in. And it was, it was a moment where he was soaking it in and, and we had left. And a couple days later, I remember I was playing basketball, and a couple days later, he texted me, like, out of the blue. Like, he, he called me, like, four times, texted me. He said, hey, Jay, I want to be a Christian. How do I do that? And I was mind blown. Immediately met with him. I remember sitting in the top of a KFC. And we're sitting there. And I was talking, I was like, do you really understand what's going on? Like, do you understand what you're saying? You want to believe in Jesus? He's like, yeah, I want to believe in Jesus. Okay, so we sat in the middle, of, in the top of KFC, and we prayed. And this man received Christ. And I, and I, and I hear, like, a little while ago, that he's been journeying with God. He's been understanding the joy and the love and the peace that God is offering him. And now he's, he's doing amazing things in his university to share the, the love of Christ with people. But I'll never forget that moment because when you, when you encounter Jesus and when you have these moments with Jesus, somehow, some way, the things that you worried about, you just don't worry about anymore. The things that are running around in your mind, they seem, to, they seem to settle down. And what you really lay hold of is that God loves me. In the middle of that, you're, 
You can't do anything else but to praise God. You can't do anything else but to walk away satisfied, content, fulfilled, joyful. And we realize as, as the church that as new creations, not only what God has done for us, but what God has done to us, made us brand new, made us alive. We are alive people, giving us a living hope. that we have this incredible sense of I'm okay, I'm all right, God's good to me. And in that, we have joy like never before. And we have the joy of Jesus, just as he says in John 15 and 16 and 17, that they may have my joy. That Jesus offers us his joy. And he's always with us, offering it it to us every single moment of every single day. He's offering us joy. And church, as we sit in that, as we rest in that, our lives will transform from the inside out. And you begin to see the love that God has for you. And God will begin to use us, and he does. He is using us. I just want to encourage you in that. He is using you. He's doing amazing things in our lives. But no matter what we're going through, we have this sense of joy. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for this incredible sense of joy. This incredible sense of peace, this incredible sense of love, this incredible sense of hope. As we think about Advent, as we're reminded about Jesus, as we reminisce, and we're not reminisce, we're reminded. We need to be reminded, God, and I thank you that your spirit is within us all the time, counseling us, reminding us, God, that joy is available, that we are a joyful people. And God, as you move through us, may our joy spread in amazing, incredible ways. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that does it for today's message. But before we let you go, we have a special announcement from our Family Ministries Director, Emily Sule. Here's Emily. Hey, you guys. I am super excited to tell you about an opportunity to continue to study more of what we just finished hearing about. If you're interested in looking more into this week's topic, Grace Life has put together some Advent reflections. Each week, we hope you find something for everyone in here. There's no pressure to do it all or any of it, but simply use it as it helps. There's scripture readings, devotional questions, music and movie suggestions for all all ages, a mission opportunity, an Advent experience, and a suggestion to share on social media. Find the link in our show notes. All right, we hope you enjoyed today's message. Uh, We'll see you back again next week as we continue that series. And don't forget this Friday, another edition of Conversations in Grace. We hope to see you then.